0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at Toyota Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver.
1: What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott. Rippy, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borkin. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday. Good Friday, April 10th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Hope everyone uh, is planning to have a good and safe Easter weekend. Probably going to be a little bit different than my—I say a little bit different. I'm sugarcoating here. This Easter weekend is going to be weird, and uh, it's going to be different for most people. Hopefully, we're able to still responsibly so maybe gather with a few family members, cook out, do something cool.
0: Um, but yeah, and um, sadly, you said have a safe weekend. I was just uh, watching the news and um, could be significant tornadoes on Easter Sunday around here. So that's fun.
1: Really, because the weather Friday and Saturday looks pretty. So- today and Saturday, I should say, because we're recording this early on a Friday morning. My, our, like, i like, mean, it's not really an Easter tradition here, but most Good Fridays, because normally, or I say normally, I've only worked here a year and a half. But like last year, we didn't work Good Friday. This year, obviously, different circumstances. We're doing the Day of Hope, by the way, if you want to tune into Super Talk Mississippi all day long. Really good, creative idea. People probably need it this time. But point being, we, uh, we usually play golf, like my dad and my brothers. And so we were pretty pumped about the weather for that. But uh, so Sunday, not, not looking promising?
0: No, not at all. Um, tornado, like strong tornado possibilities uh, through central Mississippi and most of the south.
1: Uh, well, we've had too much good news lately, so we were due for something bad. Yeah, you know, at this point, so we, uh, we, we uh, it is mailbag Friday though. It is the people's quarantine, probably the lightest mailbag Friday we've ever had. That's partially my fault. I was headed down to Jackson last night. I didn't send the the tweet out until nine uh 9 o'clock or so, and I mean, we had not had sports in a month. People are not in their normal routines. I'll give it a pass, but uh, we'd like to see some more traffic next week. That is me scolding the audience, but we have our five favorite sports venues. Working yeah, get your idea.
0: shit together, people.
1: Uh, yeah, seriously. I One time, I threatened to stop doing Mailbag Friday because we had a really light one, and then the next one was like the greatest response we've had since, so I might do that again. We won't have Mailbag Friday next week if you don't send in answers, so that is uh, my veiled threat to you. You can call my bluff if you want. Uh, you would probably be successful in doing so. But either way, we uh, please send in the questions, need uh We'd like to hear back from you content-wise. And uh, but we have got five favorite sports venues. We have a sports poll that uh, I'm not like I would. I have a I mean, not to brag here. I have a master's degree in IMC. And I have a business degree in marketing, so we learned a lot about polling and sampling and things like that. I'm not about to crap on the math of this, but we have a poll from Darren. I don't know where it comes from. Darren Revelle is the one that blew it up. Uh, that doesn't seem to make much sense. Uh, I'll tell you what that means in a little bit. Uh, We have some feedback as far as your favorite sports sports venues. A couple of people responded, but... uh, that's really about it. We're kind of a light show today, but we'll kind of see where this takes us. I guess we'll start with the poll because this was interesting. I know it ruffled some feathers in the sporting world. Yesterday, Darren a uh, resident nerd in the Internet world, had a poll from – do you know where this was from? I'm trying to look it up right now.
0: Uh, it was a college.
1: Um, Seton Hall sports poll Seton says Hall. 72% yeah. of Americans say they would not attend before a sporting a, a game before a new corona, or coronavirus vaccine was available. Among sports fans, the poll found that 61% of them said they would not attend. I, I, can, can you make that make sense here? of Americans say they would not attend a game before a coronavirus vaccine was available. Then at the end of it, it says among sports – oh, among sports fans. That's the qualifier there. 64% said they would not attend.
0: Wait. 762 respondents, and then of those who identified as sports fans, 61% of them – Said they would not go to a game without a vaccine. That is correct. That is the way I understand it. But so they polled only 762 people, not all of which were even sports fans.
1: No, but to 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 Ravel's point, 762 in a sample like that. I know he was get. I saw he was getting dumped on on Twitter for that. That is actually a fairly like normal sample size. It's on the smaller end, but I, like I don't have as much of a problem as the sample size. As what like some of the numbers say, and one of them being like uh, sports fans versus non sports fans. Because even if you didn't have a global pandemic, how many non sports fans would go to a sporting event? I mean, they probably would do it, but like I, I, I don't I don't understand why that. Like I would pull sports fans,
0: but right. And so like e- even though he's pissed off a lot of people, like Clay Travis did a, a Twitter poll, and you would think that his audience is must much, much more representative of sports fans than 762 people, a lot of which answered a landline, and not all of them are even sports fans to begin with, and it was like 80-20, and maybe that's the, uh, the opposite extreme, because if you're following Clay Travis, you're kind of a diehard, and most people are not, and most people aren't Twitter, and most people weren't in that poll, but sorry about that, he wants to be a part, I, I hate that I-, I have to do this, it- we are almost to the point where I can like leave him alone for a little while, but uh, today is not that day. But you would think that would be – there were more people that responded, and his audience, as goofy as some people think that his audience is probably – is – God, I worded that terribly. My point is Clay Travis's followers are probably more representative of a true answer than the random 700 people, not all of which are sports fans, that Seton Hall called via landline.
1: Yeah, and I don't understand uh, the I didn't know that many people still had landlines in this day and age. I saw that out of the 762 polled, I think let's see. I want to make sure I have this exactly right cuz I found it kind of interesting. Oh, uh, now of course I can't find it. Oh, uh, here we go. Of the 762, 348 answered from a landline. That seems uh, that seems I didn't know that many people still use landlines. I get businesses and stuff like work phones on people's desks and stuff still. Have, like, I guess those are technically landlines, but uh, I was surprised by that, 414 from a cell phone. But just making a deduction here that's really not – like this is not in the poll at all, but that would tell me that they called a bunch of old people if a uh, little under half of their respondents called from a landline. It's pretty much half, 348 of seven sixty two. It's safe
0: to make that assumption, yes.
1: Yeah, it's a bunch of old people. So, like, no offense, no shit old people would not go without a vaccine because this thing is the most deadly to them. So that was another thing that I found interesting about this poll. But, yeah, I just – this got people all up in arms because there's, like, any other world where Darren Ravel puts out a poll of 700 people probably not making any sort of waves uh, unless it's – uh, you know it, aside from the normal people that like to dunk on him on Twitter – but I just found that interesting because, I mean, hell, it was on the front. Uh, Ravel didn't even work for ESPN anymore, and it was on the front front section of ESPN's website. So I found that to be interesting. I don't necessarily – I don't know what to believe in it because, I mean, sampling and polls are science. I mean, it's the closest thing you can get to, like – I mean, that's how you kind of figure out anything from, you know, who's leading a presidential race to, I mean, like yeah. most of the time this stuff makes sense. So I'm not one to crap on it because the like a lot of people do this thing where if the result is not what you want it to be or it's not favorable to you, you just completely dismiss it. I'm not necessarily doing that. I just find some of the numbers around it peculiar, like as far as the landline. And I don't I, I just to be honest, I just generally don't believe that 72 percent of sports, 72 percent of Americans and 61 percent of sports fans in the United States would not go to a sporting event without a vaccine.
0: Right. Well, And it depends on, on your location, right? I mean, where were these 700-plus people? Because, like, for example, New York has been hit so uniquely hard by this thing that people that live there may be reluctant to ever do something like that again. But I promise you the next time Ole Miss or Mississippi State play a home game and fans are allowed to go – the stadiums are going to be full. It, it's just it, same thing like in Pittsburgh. You know, Los Angeles and the people there may be reluctant to um, go to games anymore. But, like, Pittsburgh, the next time the Steelers have a home game, are going to fill that place up. It, it'll vary based on location as well.
1: Yeah, and that's also part of what is going to help get this thing back because as much as people want to say, like, when sports league starting back, it's also going to come down to the local and st- state and local governments in different places, because like if you have like the NBA wanting to start back, and Governor Gavin Newsom's like actually we're not doing events till August one or whatever some of these mandates are. Like the Lakers and the Clippers are going to have to find other places to play other than Los Angeles, as I understand it. So that's another huge factor in getting sports back is not only when these leagues want to start back up, but when they're going to have to work with with state and local government, I guess to some degree the federal government, but mostly state governments, to try to figure out like how they're going to be able to do this and hold these events, whether it's fans, no fans. So I don't know. We're still a long way off. I just don't necessarily believe that 72 per- or 61% of sports fans in this country would not go to a game without a vaccine. I do think there's a significant probably, portion of the sports fan population, particularly the older demographic, that would probably hesitate and probably wisely do so But I just I don't think the numbers that high. I just for whatever reason, I choose not to uh, not to necessarily buy into that. But anyway, I just found that interesting and seemed to be what uh, I was just saying. I found that interesting. It just seemed to be what most people were talking about yesterday.
0: Yeah. And and when they come back, it's not going to be in full venues to begin with. I, I mean, it. Again, this is projection, but it may not be until next year. I I think we're playing something before the year's over. Um, I I really do. But it may not be until next year when they start letting people back in in the venues. And so things could change, you know, a vaccine or a testing level or something like that. But at first, we're going to have sports without fans. And, And there are people that question whether or not that's safe. Like, are we willing to compromise like a college football player or an NBA player just for our entertainment. And the thing is, that's not – those two things aren't correlated. Like, if you're not going to let fans show up, you shouldn't let the players play against each other. Well, the difference is you can control where the players are. It's a much smaller number, obviously. But you know where they've been, who they've talked to, and they have the financial means to have regular access to testing. You can control – who, where they've been, who they've been in contact with, and whether or not they have it. You cannot do that with 20,000 people packed into an arena. So it makes sense. You're not compromising safety if you have um, NBA players playing against each other in a practice facility somewhere. I'm so sorry. Um, you're not going to compromise safety uh, having – NBA players playing against each other if you know where they've been and and they've all tested negative versus filling up an arena to watch them play. It's two different things.
1: Yeah, so aside from that, all we really had, uh, the next thing we had was uh, five favorite sporting events or venues that you've been to. Uh, I teased this for a couple of days. We kind of pushed it for about a week. But uh, anyway, we finally got to it. Mine was pretty easy for the most part. Uh, And that probably speaks some to, I'm still uh, somewhat limited in the amount of venues I've been to. But also there were some that were pretty much easily slam dunks. So uh, my list is one, Dodger Stadium, probably the coolest ballpark I've ever been to. Uh, Something about that place, I saw a Sunday day game against the Marlins. So it wasn't even like it uh, it was some sort of hyped environment. But uh, something about that place, just the mystique of it, we took the tour of the stadium uh, it was awesome. I can't even really describe unless you've been there. We got pretty good seats kind of behind home plate. They were cheap that day because, you know, the Marlins and all, but uh, it was, <laughs> it was a perfect day outside. Like it was awesome. Uh, I just can't really, like it's hard to put into words unless you've been there. How just like something about that place, as much as we shit on Richard for saying that old tiger, their old Alex box had a mystique, something about Dodger Stadium is just, because uh, it's not even, I mean, it, it, it's on the lower end, I would say, of nice stadiums in Major League Baseball at this point. It's rather old, but something about that place, like just the ravine, everything it's set up in is is pretty nuts. So that was my number one. Well,
0: it looks number- like the weather, the setting, as you mentioned, it just the background is so cool. And it looks like the weather's always perfect there.
1: Uh, yeah, whether that is the case or not, it does. I mean, it was always,
0: I mean, it was, it was, well, hot. That's Los Angeles, you know, the weather's usually pretty perfect there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty hot, but like, it's a different kind of hot out there. It was like 88 and sunny and this was the dead heat of July, but uh, it was, it was awesome. So I had that as easy at the top of the list. And then two, I had a tie between, uh, Oracle park, which used to be AT&T park in San Francisco and Wrigley field. Uh, Wrigley Field obviously kind of speaks for itself. I went there when I was like 12, 13 years old. Place was awesome. Oracle Park was probably honestly closer to being up there with Dodger Stadium than it was Wrigley. I was kind of decided between 1A and 1B. That place is awesome. On the bay, I went in an October game. Uh, it's like and it, like if you sit up in the second level to where you can like see the bay beyond the stadium, uh, pretty solid view I would say that is definitely probably number two, Wrigley three. And then I added two SEC stadiums at the end, uh, two pretty obvious ones, Bryant Denny and tiger stadium. Um, for some reason I have more of an affinity for Bryant Denny than I do tiger stadium. I think tiger stadium is more of like a spectacle while, uh, like Bryant Denny, for whatever reason, something when that place gets loud and that environment gets loud, something about that feels more intimidating to me than tiger stadium. But as I said on last week or two weeks ago, whatever the podcast was, uh, Somehow that's blasphemy amongst SEC sports fans, but I find it to be true. I would much, like if I were an opposing team, I would much rather play in Tiger Stadium than Bryant Denny. Uh,
0: I've never been to Tiger Stadium for a game, uh, but I've I've been around and didn't sneak inside. A gate was open, so I didn't sneak into it. I, it was just open, so I walked in. Um, Bryant Denny's much nicer. Been to a game there. I, I wasn't blown away by the crowd noise, but it was also... Uh, when they were beating the shit out of Ole Miss. So, you know, it's not like I was there when it was prime, like LSU there. So I didn't get to see it like at its best. And I didn't even get to see it when they were playing a close game against Ole Miss. They really controlled the game from start to finish. But I've really enjoyed that experience. And the stadium's just nicer. And it's, it's more visually appealing to me. Like, I think I would enjoy myself more there. I don't care about the... Like, I think neck is trashy. Here's a hot take for your Friday. Uh, the people that encourage, oh, let the band play neck. Like, do you hear what the students are yelling when they do that? Like, you might think it's awesome, but, like, it's the same people that talk about, um, like, there's injustice in sports and uh, things like that. And then they encourage LSU students in mass to yell what they yell. And, like, anyway, it's trashy. And the school made the right choice by not letting the band play that because what the students yell is just pure, just trash. I don't think I would enjoy that environment as much as I would or as much as I did Bryant-Denny. I liked it better. It felt um, a little bit uh, cleaner. Not like language. I like. I know people cuss and stuff, but it it was a nicer – Group of people I was around, the stadium's nicer, everything was a lot like cleaner and buttoned up than even just what I've seen on TV in Tiger Stadium and what I saw when I went there when it was empty.
1: Yeah, I just don't really know what it is about it. It's just like I like Tiger Stadium to me is more of a novelty thing where you're walking around and you're like, wow, this place goes high up and like it's really loud on the field, and you're like, man, this is pretty cool, this is Tiger Stadium. Towards Alabama, it feels like you're just kind of like locked in a street fight, and like they're not gonna let you out of the stadium until they're like done with you. And like I don't have any other way to quantify that or to like articulate it, but something about Brian Denny to me is infinitely more. I say it not infinitely, it's close, but something about it to me is just more intimidating than walking in Tiger Stadium. I walked in Tiger Stadium thinking like, wow, this place is pretty cool. Like I wanted to look around, and like first time I was in there, I wanted to look around walk around, take pictures on the, like of the stadium from the field and all of that towards Brian Denny. I was like, wow, like this place is, uh, this place is pretty intimidating, but anyway, I don't really know why, but that's probably my five, three baseball parks and two stadiums. I was trying to get to like, like I was trying to think of some other places I've been, but nothing really compares. Like there's some underrated ones. I enjoyed Missouri's football stadium. Um, uh, Trying to think what else. Oh,
0: let's not go down that road. Yeah,
1: I actually thought it was. God a forbid cool we disagree
0: about something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we had a heated debate on the radio show yesterday between Missouri and Virginia Tech jobs. Which I once I got into it, I was. I mean, the easy way to go is to that Virginia Tech's better job. But as you pointed out, the Mar- I and mean, it's not that close. But as we got into it, I was pointing out like commitment and stuff which is kind of ironic considering the one night I was there, it was a sold-out crowd, and it was a great environment. It just uh, – so that's an underrated one. Um, Missouri
0: is a weird fit in the SEC. I do – and maybe it's just um, uh, like a blanket thing that I shouldn't apply, but I do believe that if you have similar enough like histories of winning, that the SEC job is, is just simply – the better job. It is easier to acquire players. Although Virginia Tech's recruited well, kind of out-recruited Missouri uh, recently. If it were me making a choice, even though it's more difficult to win a championship at Missouri, I mean, it's not like Virginia Tech's won the ACC anytime recently either. Um, I would always just favor SEC, even though Missouri doesn't really fit in the league to begin with. I mean, they probably would have been better off joining the Big Ten, but um I think that 13 of the 14 SEC jobs are at least top 35 jobs in college football. Yeah, I would
1: agree with that pretty much outside of – yeah, I mean, obviously Vanderbilt notwithstanding 13 of the 14 there. I would certainly agree with that. But just a lot – I don't know. I was just trying to think of like places that I thought were cool and like underrated. Like I, I'm i trying to think – like Missouri was okay uh, – I think Bud Walton for a basketball game was pretty sweet. Uh, that place is pretty huge. I've done Rupp one time. Kentucky's Kroger Field is okay. Like it's nice. Did you go after the renovation?
0: To what? Kentucky.
1: Uh, yeah, I would believe so. I was there in seventeen.
0: Yeah, that that would be post renovation. It was it was fine, but it was kind of a dump before they renovated it. I haven't been there. It's after, but I just remember thinking ooh, this place kind of sucks, and uh, apparently it's become much better since then.
1: It almost had a pro stadium feel to it. I don't really know how to – I've told Haydad that when he went there in 18 uh, or two years ago, whatever it was, and uh, I was like, for whatever reason, it kind of had an NFL vibe to it, and I'm not really sure. Lexington was also a much bigger city than I had pictured in my mind. I don't really know why I assumed it was small, but it's a a very big place, like decent-sized airport. but. uh, yeah. It so was, you uh, flew into it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that Man, was when I was working the, the so in house. The white picket fences and
0: in the horse farms that you see when you're flying into Lexington Lexington, Kentucky is pretty cool.
1: I wonder if uh like is that is the air the airport we flew into is Bluegrass Airport? I wonder if that's the same thing. Cuz like sometimes the football cuz I was working in house at that point so we were just flying like I guess wherever is easiest to land and get to the hotel. I wonder if we flew into the commercial airport or not. Uh that was, a, uh, that, was a that was a that was a different that a a different way of traveling back then. If there's one thing I work missed about working in house, you just got on the bus, you got a police escort to the plane, you hopped on the plane, and you took off. It was uh, <laughs> I worked at 11 a.m. game at Auburn one time in '18. I was back on my couch for the six o'clock kickoffs uh, in Oxford. That's it was, easy. yeah. It's a, it's a different uh, it's a different way of traveling. But the one downside to it is that we also – oh, I would put this up there. I thought going to Cal was pretty cool. Berkeley has a cool stadium. It's in like a ravine. There's a fault line that runs through like the side of the football field.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you get it marked in the turf too, which is kind of unsettling.
1: Yeah, it actually very much is unsettling. And then they had stability; they had structural issues when they were renovating and rebuilding their press box. And some people sit on the mountains above the stadium to where they're just tailgating and watching the the entire stadium below them. But uh, I was to say the one downside to that way they travel is they always leave after the game, no matter what. So that was a seven o'clock Pacific time kickoff. Got done at eleven thirty. Took off at like one a.m. Pacific time and got back to Oxford at like. 8:45 in the morning. It was uh, it
0: was pretty brutal. But, that was uh, an extremely inexcusable game to lose for them. By the way,
1: yeah, that was pretty much uh, you know, you were Longo and McGriff were, were new at that point, and you had the Shea Patterson thing going on, and that was the night I looked up. And that I, I think you were only three games into the season, but I was like, hey, none of these dudes know how to make any halftime adjustments because there's Ole Miss was up in that game at halftime and probably should have been up by more points than they were. I don't. I think it was a one score thing. And I don't think they scored in the second half, and Cal just completely torched them. And like I was like, these dudes didn't adjust anything. Like, what did they do in the locker room? And that was what you kind of started catching on. Hey, maybe these coordinators suck.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Longo led North Carolina to a bowl game in year one.
1: That is uh, that is true. A little bit different beast in the ACC. I would say he's evidence enough of that if you need proof.
0: But, uh, so do you oh, and he's, pro- he's got a significantly better head coach than the one he previously worked under. Like, Mac Brown catches a lot of shit, but let's be honest, uh, being an OC under that guy is probably a little bit easier.
1: Yeah, and also, uh, not very well-kept secret, Longo was originally hired by Hugh Freeze to be the fall guy. (laughs) Longo was hired to fail to where Hugh Freeze could take back over in the middle of the season. He could be the smartest guy in the room that saved the day from a terrible— Wow, air raid offense that doesn't work in the sec like that I wonder was the what plan you there.
0: freeze thinks about liberty issuing uh, arrest warrants for journalists who wrote an honest article
1: oh yeah we could get to that in a second we need to uh, do you have five stadiums by the way uh yeah i've been thinking about this a lot so wait i haven't uh, got, to, we got to, i went way past we gotta take a break i'll do we could do it on the right. other side of the break i uh, remind you podcast brought to you by lb's university avenue across from kroger if you're in oxford easter weekend uh Go let Greg help uh, put food in your belly. Uh, if your family is uh, hanging out grilling, there's not a whole lot you can do. You can't really go to actual church. You can do online church, but uh, help let him help you throw something on the grill. They've got steaks, custom cut sausages. It's got all kinds of stuff. He's got some ready made dishes. So maybe like Friday, Saturday night when the family rolls into town, you don't want to. You obviously can't go out to eat. You don't want to. Uh, be cooking. Greg's got some ready-made dishes that can feed a lot of people ready to go. I had the meatloaf the other weekend. It was fantastic. Then I got a bacon-wrapped filet, but go check him out. He's got grill packs, sausages, the ribeye sausage is divine. But uh, go tell him we sent you. We appreciate Greg sponsoring the show. Hopefully when I get back up to Oxford, go see him real soon. But no better time to support local businesses. Go see him. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger, the best place in Mississippi to get meat. The uh, stage is yours. Five stadiums. Five coolest stadiums you've been to. Um,
0: I thought about this a lot longer than I should have. I don't have the baseball uh, venue experience that you do. Uh, and I feel like baseball's got the, the coolest, air quotes, the coolest venues uh, as far as like history and iconi- iconography or whatever the hell it is. Um, how do you say it? Is it iconography? I, yeah, we'll go with that. We're not yeah, into the sure, the show. But um, that
1: to your point, mine, so that's actually what I realized on this while, while coming up with this list. I just have a random. Like, I didn't realize, like, I, I didn't think I was that well-traveled in terms of, like, stadiums. Like, I knew I had a decent bit in the SEC just from work. But, like, I, I looked up, I was like, damn, I've been to a bunch of baseball stadiums. Like, just completely randomly by accident through my childhood up to now. I was, uh, I was like, actually impressed with myself. I was like,
0: look at you being all-traveled and cultured. Yeah, you've got an impressive list. Iconography. icona. I- iconography. Anyway, baseball has more of that than any other sport, uh, and I don't. We'll let Haydad hey decide later. you do. Um, I think the most intimidating atmosphere I've ever been in was actually Penn State. Um, the stadium, it, it sucks. It looks like an Erector set the way it's built. It, it's it's hideous and it's it's not nice in any way, shape, or form. But it is loud, man, and it's one of those places where uh, you don't have at least in my experience there you didn't have any kind of collection of People that were like too cool to get into it. It felt like every one of the 110,000 people that were there that day, uh, their life depended on the outcome of that game. And it was loud, and the stadium is literally shaking at your feet because it's just like a metal erector set. That is the most uh, intimidating atmosphere I've ever been in. And, And like, there's no, there's tailgating, but there's not like a centralized location there. And man, so we went and saw. Ohio State play at Penn State. That was the game that day, and there Just was randomly. A, uh, my my dad and my uncle were big Ohio State fans. My dad still oh, is. okay. Um, but so so we did a lot of traveling to go watch them play for my dad, and there was a a line of of houses. They're not fraternity houses, but it's where a bunch of students live, like all in a line, and people Penn State fans stopped us and said, "Unless you're prepared." to get cans of beer thrown at you, don't walk in that direction. There's videos on YouTube of other teams' fans walking in front of these houses, getting unopened cans of beer pelted at them. I mean, it was it was disgusting. Like, I, I hated every second of being there, but the in-stadium atmosphere was incredible because everybody was into it. Trashy as hell, though. Like, I would never go back to Penn State, ever. Uh, just a disgusting place. Stadium atmosphere, incredible. Um... It sounds like
1: they're p- the LSU, the SEC, Happy Valley, Death Valley.
0: Pretty much. I mean, that's kind of what it felt. But, like, it, the LSU fans that I've encountered at football games that were not in Baton Rouge, like, there was there was some normalcy. I didn't feel that at all in uh, Happy Valley. Like, it, it was awful. I've I have never been – I've been to almost every SEC stadium. I have not been to LSU. I've not been to College Station. I've not been to Columbia. I think I've been everywhere else. Um, not Florida either. So those are my four. I've been to the other 10 and I have not seen anything in any other SEC stadium that came close to anything I saw at Penn state. It was disgusting, man. I, I was blown away by, by just how completely trashy that place was.
1: Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. That's always the stereotypical answer from like, I know I was reading something the other day. And uh, Big Ten people get mad when you say Happy Valley is a better environment than, uh, like, Ohio State or uh, I've been to mad- both. Madison.
0: It is. Ohio it has got more tradition. Like, the pageantry of an Ohio State game is much better than the pageantry of a Penn State game. But as far as, like, crowd noise and atmosphere, Penn State dominates Ohio State. Yeah, that
1: seems to be on brand, too, in terms of, like, like I, that doesn't necessarily shock me that you're, like, that place is, like, nasty, kind of gross. Like, uh, Death Valley, but I like LSU. I like – Baton Rouge, but like it is kind of like gross a lot of the time, like it is just kind of a nasty place. But uh, every game I've ever been to/slash worked at Death Valley has also been an 8 p.m. kick, so maybe I don't have the best, uh, the best, uh, the uh, best experience in terms of just working-wise, but uh, so that's one, yeah, that's one.
0: Um, this is going to be a random one, um, State Farm Arena in Atlanta. I I was. I mean, really impressed at how nice it was. It's the nicest, uh, arena I've probably Is that ever the been. the old Phillips to. arena? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's State Farm now. It was Phillips when I went, but they, they did just this new renovation and stuff too. I thought it was really nice. I was actually kind of shocked. I've been to, I've been there. I've been to the forum. I've been to the Smoothie King Center, um, Toyota Center in Houston, uh, Spectrum Center in Charlotte, which was actually pretty nice as well. Um, Bridgestone Arena is nice in Nashville, but I liked Atlanta a lot. Uh, I don't know. It's just it felt new. I liked it there. That's my favorite arena I've probably ever been to. Uh, NFL Stadium, um, when the Superdome gets renovated, it'll be my favorite. Obviously, I have an uh, emotional tie now to it, but um, I think Jerry World. I've been to Jerry World, and I've been to the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium without people in it, and I still like Jerry World better. Maybe the atmosphere is different with actual people in there, but I like Jerry. I still like Jerry World better. So what is that four? And
1: we went to Jerry World right after it opened, and I got distracted by the big jumbo. Like I found myself watching the TV instead of the game, and like that sounds ridiculous. But unless like you, I, I would think you would know what I'm talking about if you've been there. If you've been there, and particularly if you, unless you sit really low, which I was not. Like that TV, and I'm not complaining because the entire thing's incredibly nice. But that that jumbotron and video board is so outrageously huge, it draws your eye more so than the game action does in some parts. I had trouble like focusing on the game versus <laughs> like I'd find myself watching multiple plays on the video board. I don't know if yeah. you had that same issue. <laughs> uh, we
0: we're we were pretty low, so looking up at it was was kind of difficult. You know, humble brag. Uh, so favorite NFL venue is Jerry World. College atmosphere. Penn State. I'm with you about Bryant-Denny. Uh, I-, I think the stadium, I-, I really enjoyed the stadium atmosphere there. Auburn was my favorite road trip I've ever taken. I had a blast at Auburn. I think the, the game day atmosphere is pretty cool. Um, seems like everybody's into it. I liked Auburn. I think the town's great. Big fan of that. But NFL, Jerry World, college, atmosphere, Penn State, stadium, Bryant-Denny, uh, arena, State Farm Arena in Atlanta. And I don't have very many baseball venues to uh, to go off of, um, so I, I guess it would have to be the new Atlanta Stadium that I've been to. But my baseball oh,
1: you've been to SunTrust. I actually want to go to there. Uh, that place looks awesome. I've been to I went to Turner and it was cool, but uh, nothing too special about that. And then I should have included NRG. I guess if we were going strictly off nicest, too, NRG might be one of the nicest places I've ever been. The uh, Houston Texans Stadium. I was uh I was blown away at how absurdly nice that, that that place was. I mean, from just like everything you walk in there, like literally it's kinda of, like it reminded me of kind of old Mrs. like at the pavilion when it didn't like when it first opened. It was like they didn't miss a detail with this place. Like it was awesome. I've never been like in terms of just awestruck and impressed from like and some of it is just stuff that people don't care about, like the media setup and stuff, but like it, it that place was pristine. Uh that definitely an underrated stadium now that i say that bill Bry- i bill o'brien will probably take away half of the luxury seating but that was one of the cooler places i've been as well so i should have included that in there but pretty solid list overall i've for- I'd forgotten i had been to jerry world so i've done four nfl stadiums uh, nissan the dome jerry world and uh nrg and so i don't have a huge experience in the nfl stadiums but uh those were uh, those were all pretty nice, but that's a pretty solid list. Those were uh, those are some solid stadiums.
0: Uh, some of them they're feedback- all new though. Like I haven't gotten to, to do Wrigley or Dodger Stadium or the Rose Bowl or the Big House or anything like that though.
1: Yeah, Veterans Memorial and Jackson, all of the same cut from the same cloth. Uh, how about the
0: worst venue you've ever been to?
1: Okay, Veterans Memorial is up there. <laughs> that place is awful. I hated. Whatever stadium in Little Rock was that Ole Miss and Arkansas played two years or ago. Memorial, that I think. Yeah, they renovated the press box, so I would give them credit for that. But the average, like obviously your normal fan is not, doesn't care nor sees that. But that entire stadium was just a dump. I, I hated that. The, I'm trying to think. Worst ones. I haven't been to a lot of terrible ones.
0: If the, you went I, to that bowl game in Birmingham, there's one for you. I did not go to that, but I've heard – was that Legion Field? It is uh, quite possibly the worst stadium that still stands to this day.
1: I feel like I'm picking on Jackson here, but honestly, uh, having to go down to the Coliseum for those two basketball games, it's like how in the world do you have two Division One basketball teams
0: play, playing in this they place? They shouldn't anymore. And, I don't yeah. think
1: they are going to anymore is, is the vibe I'm catching.
0: Um, yeah, Kermit, he's, Kermit Davis is very uh, political. He he understands how to say things without saying them. He, he's a basketball coach, and he's just, he's buttoned up as far as press conferences go. And if I'm reading too into it, let me know. But his press conference after that game was the nicest way of saying, we're never coming back here again.
1: Well, he, like, gave him a chance the first year they did it. The first year they did it, he was, like, talking about it. He's like, yeah, like, this is great. Like, this is important we come down here to our fans. Hopefully, uh, maybe we can see some renovations here. And then the second time when it was the exact same as they, they left it the first time, I guess, uh, you know, minus maybe a few light bulbs, he was like, all right, uh, we're, we're done with this shit.
0: Yeah, because, and the fans, because it's so bad, the fans don't even show up. Like, I, I've got buddies that live in my neighborhood, old Miss fans, that are like, man, I'm not – Not that they're afraid. We go to Jackson all the time. It's just like, man, I'm not going to spend 10 bucks to sit in that dump of a place. I'll watch it on TV.
1: Well, okay, so basketball arenas are a particularly great example in some of the case of football, but it's a little easier when you're outside. In basketball arenas, if you let them get too old, decrepit, and outdated, they become depressing. Like, you walk into the Mississippi Coliseum, and you're like, God, this place, like, kills my mood. Like, it's terrible. I hate being in here. And the Tad Pad was the same way. Like, older basketball stadiums that you let just get completely out of control, they're dark. They smell weird. Like, the seats suck. Like, everything feeling old and gross. Like, it just—it really just feels kind of depressing. Like, I've noticed that particularly with basketball arenas.
0: At least for old, shitty football stadiums, you are likely still outside, you know? I mean, at least you get to take in the day. Hey, I'm with you. I mean, like, the lighting in the Coliseum's bad. Just everything about it makes you not want to be there anymore. Like, if Ole Miss had to play a home game in Jackson— and it was October 27th, and it's 66 degrees at kickoff, and the sun's still out, you can probably enjoy your day. The venue sucks, but at least it's like, hey, you know, the sun's out.
1: Yeah, basketball, you got to make it a place to come to, and that's why the pavilion was so big. Just because, like, big for Ole Miss. Because, like, even if, like, even you saw it towards the end of AK, even though the product was stale, you'd still draw decent crowds just because it was a place people want. And you saw it's on this year because the team wasn't very good. It's a place people want to come hang out and take in a game. Whereas if you stink and you, your building sucks, why in the world is anyone going to come pay to watch you play voluntarily?
0: Yeah, not at all. Uh, what else? So j- the two stadiums in Jackson, uh, Legion Field, I- they had to tear down the upper decks at Legion Field because they were falling apart, and yet they still use the stadium r- right now.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I just – I haven't – like. but then, to your point, like, like I'm so bad at thinking of these because I spent a decent amount of time thinking about it last night. And then you said your list, and I immediately thought of four other places I've been. So, like – but I don't think I've been to too many terrible stadiums. Like, like, knock on wood, because most SEC places are nice. Most SEC baseball parks are decently nice. And the crappy ones, I haven't – like, Like I've been to Vanderbilt Baseball Stadium, and it's not crappy. It's just small. Um uh, I didn't really like. Honestly, Memorial Gymnasium in v- at Vanderbilt in Nashville—the uh, weird setup. Like, it, it, it's everyone's like, "Oh, it's so unique." Well, it's actually old as hell and uh, kind of dumpy as well. Like that place is not nice by any standard. Um, it is old and it just have. You can see it has the historic value and stuff, and it's not completely awful, but it yeah. It's the not novelty really nice of
0: the venue being yeah. as unique as it is takes away from how shitty it is.
1: Yeah, and it's not a complete disaster, but it, it's certainly old. And like the uh, like the the place they had us sit was like old suites that you could tell were like like used to be kind of like play style. Like I'm talking about like how like Mrs. Lincoln play style like box type seating. It was interesting, uh, but yeah, that place was okay. um... Honestly, I, I, I like Humphrey Coliseum fine, but it's on the older end of basketball arenas I've been to. Like, it, it I would say – I mean, it's definitely got to be on the older end of SEC arenas now, but it's not crappy.
0: Um, no, it's not bad. It's just not good either. But, I mean, that's why they, they sunk all their money into the baseball stadium. I, I think there's a renovation plan for the home. Just uh, – it's not an extensive one by any stretch.
1: Yeah, but – that's really about it. I haven't been to too many crappy ones. Maybe I need to make that a mission for one year, just to be like, can I go to as many crappy stadiums as possible? But yeah, that was really about it. But uh, pretty uh, for as far as feedback, we had one guy say Coors Field. It's basically you've gotten to the point where every single one of these prevent. And that's not to, this guy sent a picture of Coors Field, which is awesome. Uh, And this not to diminish his picture or him saying it's great, but like every single MLB stadium at this point is such just a cathedral, and like the entire thing is just such a spectacle. It's unbelievable how all thirty of those places seem to be just absolutely incredible places just to go and take in like the scene, game or not. Like those places are amazing, all thirty of them. But Coors Field, Fenway, we got a couple. uh, The new Atlanta stadium. You say all
0: thirty of them? Yeah. You talking about St. Pete?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess the tr- – The uh, 28. I'll go 28 because I think the trop and Oakland Coliseum probably uh, don't count. That is true. But most – most all of them are pretty much just destination, cathedral-type places. We got a couple of Fenway, a couple of the new Atl- Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium or whatever that is in Atlanta now. It's but-
0: freaking sweet, man. I- I've only been inside without people in, but, man, it's awesome. I mean, I guess it's not that much different than Falcons games anyway, but – yeah the
1: uh those new uniforms should help though the uh the last thing we had to get to today like as far as uh content wise i i kind of let this fly uh under the rail i probably should have led the show with this i was at old miss yesterday we talked about a little bit on the radio show canceled all in-person events uh through august one on campus did you see that
0: yeah they clarified it though yeah
1: uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Late last night, but like, as it, we got the clarification from the homeless spokesperson, and it's not his fault. Because this was originally a university thing, not a sports thing. But they were like saying to clarify, as if like us dumb media folks aren't uh, smart enough to understand it. It's like, <laughs> that's not assumed at all. But they clarified and said that has nothing to do with athletic events. That's student events and, camp- and camps on campus. That does not have anything to do with student athlete related events and athletics. So, well,
0: that, that has- and, man, and if they did cancel things until August 1 and then somehow, I don't think this is going to happen, but somehow, some way, they were like, you know what? Hey, we can play football again, uh, get everybody, get everybody there. Uh, they would do it. They would, um, reschedule all of those events. You know what I mean? So just uh, things are canceled till August one. That does, that means that nobody's going to be practicing football until then. Not true. If they were comfortable and cleared to do it, they would have things in July too. So like, even if, uh, you didn't get it initially, and Ole Miss had to clarify it for you. They shouldn't have had to because you know that even if they're canceling student-athlete events until August 1st, uh, they can very quickly reschedule them and call everybody back if given the all-clear.
1: Yeah, but it's almost like it's giving people an opportunity, and we've talked to this ad nauseum, but just like that kind of stuff gives people an opportunity like, see, nothing's starting on time. It's like, no, they can change it, but it didn't even apply here. Like, it was all moot. Yeah, but
0: yeah, you know how people are, man.
1: So that is an important clarification, though, because I got that very casually at, like, 10 o'clock last night uh, text message. Like, So I was almost about to go to bed, and I was like, oh, well, that's significant. But so, yeah, that does not apply – if you saw that news yesterday, that does not apply to athletic events or football or anything else that uh, might be trying to start up in the fall. So that uh, does not apply whatsoever, but – I think that's about all we had today, a little bit of a lighter show. Uh, now, once I'm back in Oxford— Didn't uh, do
0: any of the mailbags, even though we didn't really get any.
1: Uh, no, you said you had one. I, that, uh, most of the mailbags I got were stadium recommendations.
0: Mailbag question. What is your perception of 100,000-seat stadiums? I've been to Alabama, Michigan, A&M, and LSU. The first three disappointed me greatly. Add great seats to all of them. The sound doesn't carry well throughout those big stadiums, except for LSU, which is an awesome experience. I could barely hear "Hail to the Victors" at midfield when they had 115,000 against Notre Dame this year. I found my fair, fan experience to be way better. <clears throat> excuse me, in slightly smaller stadiums like Florida State, Auburn, or Georgia, you can feel the feel and hear the roar of the crowd in these more compact stadiums.
1: Would agree in terms of A and M. Disagree on Bryant Denny, and I think we both agreed that he said that doesn't apply for Baton Rouge. But yeah, I think you're going to start seeing more of this though. And not ter- in terms of downsizing, but kind of hit the sweet spots. Cause I noticed major league baseball is kind of dealing with this. Some, uh, particularly I know like they were telling me when I was up in Cincinnati that they were like, like every place they've been to has downsized. It's press seating and stuff in the last 10 years. Cause you just don't, there's not as many of them and you don't need it as much anymore. And I, I get with, I, I'm, I'm gathering with the at home viewing experience becoming better And better, You're probably going to see more of this because you don't necessarily need all of these. College football in some places with that much tradition like a Penn State or an LSU or something like that, probably an exception. But I think you're going to start to see stadiums hit more of the sweet spot instead of just these large mass
0: stadiums. Man, LSU's even, I mean, when they played Auburn at home uh, most recently, there were empty seats in the corners. I know that's way up, but still, I mean, there there were empty seats in Baton Rouge for a home SEC West game between two good teams. That's just kind of where things are going now. And so when Ole Miss decides to renovate Vault hemingway because they need to, I know the money's just not there to do it right now. And uh, God knows asking people for the money right now is just not something that you can do. So when things get back to normal, Ole Miss becomes financially stable again and maybe Lane Kiffin starts winning some games and so people are more excited and you solicit money to renovate your stadium. Uh, The goal, I promise you, will not be expansion. In fact, they will probably take seats away. And the entire stadium, which needs to be blown up and just started all over because it's four different stadiums like molded together like a really shitty car you see on the highway. But when they do go through a renovation, which is desperately needed – I have people tell me all the time that Vault hemingway is fine compared to the rest of the SEC. And my response would be, with all due respect, you haven't been to other stadiums in the SEC then. Because it's a dump. It, I'm Sorry, it's just the truth. It is not nice. It, Vanderbilt is the only stadium in the SEC, with the exception of the ones I haven't been to. But I promise you, three of the four I haven't been to, I know without a doubt, are better. Um, it's not good. It's only better than Vanderbilt. I've been to ten of them. Vanderbilt's the only one that's worse. It needs a full-scale renovation. And when they do that, it needs to be all about comfort and amenities and not 74,000 people because you're rarely ever filling that up. It needs to be comfortable seats and um, awnings and nicer guts, like uh, where all the concessions and stuff are. Everything needs to be nicer and more comfortable and the Wi-Fi needs to be better. All of that. Because even in a place like Mississippi where you care so much about football, uh, you're going less and less. And that's the route that's going to be taken, and it needs to be taken as soon as they can because the place is just not nice at all.
1: Yeah, because that's exactly what the battle is here is the – as the at-home viewing experience with – Large television screens, HD picture, you can, you know, go to the bathroom whenever you want, have your own food, drinks and stuff. That that has become better and more intimate, and you have a wider variety of games to watch. You're going to have to have reasons to draw people into stadiums. So as your point, it's more like luxury seating, nice seating, a more intimate, like, in-game experience. And honestly, Major League Baseball kind of has this nailed, right? And some of it has to do with Major League Baseball being more exciting in person than it is on television – And you can't really compare it to football, but you go to a major league baseball stadium and you're like, wow, like this place is awesome. Like there's really not that, I mean, unless you're sitting way up high, there's not very many bad seats. And like most of them all chair back, like relatively nice, like good view. The entire, like just stadium is just like a spectacle and you enjoy sitting in there. Whereas, you know, 70,000 metal bleachers in a football stadium in bad weather, not always the case. But yeah, they're going to have to battle that. Like, the battle now is to get people off of their couches and into stadiums because the viewing experience in the stadium can be intimate and enjoyable as well. Uh, Like, that's basically the battle. Like, as the in home experience gets better, you're going to have to make the in game experience that much better. And just adding mass seats to let people in is not going to do that. You got to make them nice and you got to make people want to stay.
0: For sure. And that's what they got to do. Um, and I don't know when you could do that just with how everything is going right now. And I guess a, another question and the conversation probably for a different day, I know you've got to go, uh, would be how does this change trends forever? I mean, we had 6 million people uh, file for unemployment last week and businesses are having to cut back and people are getting furloughed and their salaries cut and maybe this changes attendance habits for some people. I don't think it will around here, but it might. And you have to weigh that into future costs and stuff when you're running um, an athletic department. It's crazy. I mean, I I don't know how Keith Carter goes to work every day. I I mean, I don't envy him because he may not have football, which is the only thing that makes his school money. And then even if they get football, what's that going to look like? And I got to pay Matt Luke's buyout because uh, my idiot predecessor gave him a contract with no mitigation language, and God, I, I don't envy his position at all right now.
1: Yeah, and it's but uh, the, in terms of like that thing, that's probably a short term problem, right? Like eventually things like short term ish. Like it depends on how you quantify short term, but eventually things will rebound and things like financially won't always be hard. But to your point, for the next you know two three four i don't know how many years it's going to go it's going to be hard to predict that is something you're going to have to weigh but that is kind of the modern battle you're facing in terms of getting people to games and i mean you saw it in this state you've got to be interesting like matt luke wasn't necessarily fired just because he went four and eight on his own like he probably if that had just been that in a vacuum would have gotten another year but it wasn't interesting people didn't care people weren't going to games like Another year of Joe Moorhead would have brought a bunch of empty seats. People didn't care. People weren't going to games. You've got to be interesting, and you've got to put on a show now more than ever. So, anyway, that was a solid uh, solid list there. Appreciate the feedback. We uh, we appreciate you listening to Mailbag Friday. Borky and I will be back at it on Monday like usual. Once I get back into Oxford and stuff, I'm probably going to have some better— guests and things lined up for next week so battling through this no sports uh time very weird time we're living in but we hope everyone has a safe and happy easter remind you one more time go to lb's university avenue across from kroger if you're in the oxford area greg can help feed you easter weekend all kinds of stuff throw on the grill take advantage of the good weather at least friday and saturday throw something on the grill he's got steaks custom cuts sausages All kinds of ready-made stuff if you're looking to have a quicker meal on the go. But I went a couple weekends ago, got a uh, lane train special, got some meatloaf, some uh, crab stuff, mushrooms. They were fantastic. He's got grill packs, all kinds of stuff. Go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Appreciate Greg sponsoring the show, LB's Meat Market. But uh, Borky and I will be back at it on Monday. We appreciate you listening to Mailbag Friday. Tips, feedback. Uh, response is always appreciated hope everyone has a safe and happy easter and we'll catch you on monday
0: a super talk mississippi media production